What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Marybraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I'm your host, Noah, from Inniat River Forge. With me, as always, Ryan Coakley from Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works. Hello. And our guest today is Colton, the Barbell Blacksmith. What's up, man? Not a whole lot, man. Right so on. Well, we get, uh, oh, sorry. I how cut you dare off. you interrupt me, Fucking Ryan? Unbelievable. It. You ruined Fucking it. It was going to be so smooth and silky. <laughs> So before we get started, I just wanted to mention that voice that you heard at the beginning of this show, the sultry sounds of Coy Baker. That gentleman is the newest sponsor of the Hustle and Grind podcast. He's been here for a while. You hear his voice at the beginning of every show pumping our boys at Ameribraid, who we love. But now he himself is also the Baker Forge and Tool monstrosity that exists is sponsoring the hustle and grind podcast so you know what that means it means we're going to help you guys out it means that from now on you can use the code hustle 10 when you go to bakerforgeandtool.com to buy some of the coolest steel in the industry you see everybody using it you see it and you want it you see it and you're like ah oh, damn i want some of that cool steel to use you're a stock removal guy you don't know how to forge copper and stainless and silver and all the other crazy stuff that they put in their steels. Well, that's okay because you can go to bakerfortunetool.com, use the code hustle 10 and get you 10% off of your order of awesome steel. And don't forget, even if you're a guy that forges your own Damascus, like I am that 10% off, get you some gator piss. It's the best etchant in the world. Premixed, no futzing around, get yourself some gator piss. Get yourself some cool steel. Get a, get a sweet hat that says Baker Forge and Tool and has a weird picture of uh, of Koi's beard on it. You know why not? Go for it. There we go. That's all I had to say. Also, on that same note, the Ameribraid boys have signed on for another year. So woo woo to them. So you'll Absolutely. be hearing you'll be hearing their ad for the foreseeable future. So thanks to all you guys, Koi, Eric. Kevin, you're the best. And the guys who've been going out there using our code. I mean, for real, I, I've I've talked to the Ameribraid guys, and there's people who've been using our code, buying themselves some of the best grinders on the planet, and we appreciate you guys as well. Absolutely. Well, all right. 
there we go. I think we paid the bills. We got to talk to Colton here. I, I feel bad. He's just like sitting there like, all right, well, these guys are getting their sales pitch out there. <clears throat> so, uh, Colton, what's going on? So we, we talked a little bit before we started the show. You've been doing a lot of hunting lately. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, so, uh, that's not going the best, I hear. So, I mean, it's bow hunting, you know. Um, I didn't get out in as early in the season as I would have wanted. Um, usually I start around, you know, season here in Nebraska starts around September 1st and goes until December 31st, sometimes January 10th. Um, but it's crazy. Uh, have you guys – I probably haven't. I don't know why I'm asking. But um, there's uh, statistics of basically the deer harvest – in each state, um, over the years. And, uh, it peaked out around like 2005 here in Nebraska and then blue tongue hit, it was like 86,000 or something. And then it went down to like 40,000 and then it went back up to 60,000, 50,000, 60,000. And from 2018 to 2022, it's gone all the way down to 41,000 here in Nebraska. So it's like steadily going down. Um, and I'm seeing just way less deer around, um, overall, so it's, it's kind of a uphill battle because I would say I've probably gone out and hunted 30 plus times this year so far. And I don't know, 75% of those times where I'm spending four hours in the stand, I don't see anything at all. So I don't that's know. That's brutal, it's, man. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that's just tough to sit there and not see anything. Yeah. Nothing at all. Not even a doe fawn, nothing. And it sucks. Cause like back in 2015, 2016, you know, there are deer everywhere. Every single time you went out, you'd see at least like three or four deer. Um, but this year it's just like, you know, you see a couple young bucks, like year old bucks running around one day and then the next they're just gone and there's nothing for a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, like I was telling you guys, I did see that massive buck missed him well i didn't miss him i hit the shoulder blade the first time second time don't even know what happened didn't find him um that's the biggest buck that i've seen here ever but that's the only big buck i've seen this year was that massive like 160 buck so i don't know it's pretty pretty brutal it's it's always crazy to me to listen to guys from you know the flatter states and you guys are hunting whitetail correct yes yeah so i've hunted whitetail uh up uh north of me there's a good good um population of whitetail up there and i just hunt from a ground blind when i'm hunting whitetails um but for the most part everything that i do is is spot and stock you know i i when i went out in early archery season i mean we'd go out and i mean we're looking at deer anywhere from like 600 to a thousand yards away and figuring out how we can get close to them, you know, getting up on them and stalking them. The deer that I ended up shooting, we probably spotted from around 700 yards. And then it was all walking from there. And then I just kind of, there was one point where I was sitting on a, there's lots of old logging roads and you got to keep in mind the area that I'm hunting varies in elevation, probably from 1500 feet to 2,500 feet. I mean, just hills, you know, valleys and these massive hills. And, uh, for the most part, it's pretty open as far as vegetation goes, but there's just so much elevation and you, you can miss, you, you can, you can come up a rise and there's, there could be three deer, you know, 200 yards below you, but only 30 yards away from you, you know, <laughs> like, right. uh, so anyways, it's really, it's really a, a totally different, um, totally different aspect you know it's, it's it's so strange um so when you're sitting up in the stand you, you mentioned you had multiple stands like do you have cameras out are you trying to like figure out you know where the deer are and and kind of so, trying to get your spot that way or how does how yeah do you do that? 
So we have five stands set up. Um, I hunt on my parents' property and then we have permission to hunt on two other properties. Um, well, three, but we haven't hunted the third one yet. Um, and we have five stands up in between one on each of those properties and then three here. Um, it's 80 acres, but it, it's the largest section of uninterrupted CRP land with lots of woods. It's like half woods um, in the entire area. And there's just cornfields everywhere. So it's a really great spot to hunt. We've I mean, historically, we have tons of people coming up um, and asking to hunt our land because um, it's just the best place around um, in terms of thick cover, bedding areas, stuff like that. So, but yeah, no, I, I mean, usually it's pretty safe. We have an evening stand, a morning stand, then an alternate morning stand. And usually it's a pretty safe bet. You go out there in the morning, in the morning stand, you see deer, go out there in the evening, in the evening stand, you see deer, but we just haven't seen much. So uh, next year, I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a way more habitat improvements uh, for the deer, you know, like fake scrapes, water holes, um, clover patches, uh, switchgrass, you know, all that stuff that we have not done because it's just such a nice natural habitat. But I think we're going to have to step up our game because um, there's just not as many deer as there used to be. And it's crazy. So yesterday, Saturday, opening rifle season uh, here in Nebraska, I don't rifle hunt. Um, but there are people here who I'm sure there's people everywhere who literally will go out with a full mag and they'll take seven to 10 deer and, you know, illegally, they don't have a license or anything. They just shoot as many no. deer as they can pile them in the back of their truck and then come home, cut the antlers off or come home, process them themselves, you know, don't tell anybody. So yesterday morning there was somebody busted with five bucks in the back of his truck and he got, you know, fined $9,000 a deer. I think it was. Um, but five bucks in the back of his truck and he shot them before sunrise. So before shooting light, it was pitch black. So he had to have had like a thermal scope or a night scope or something. And he was taking <laughs> five bucks at night, which is super, super illegal. So, um, I mean, there's people like that all over the place, which kind of sucks. Cause I can't really compete, you know, you can as a deer hunter, as a, uh, archery hunter, you can't really compete with that. Um, especially with a know. conscience. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're going out in a field, driving, driving fields in their truck. You know, they park in the middle of somebody else's field. They sit there for 20 minutes, shoot deer, move to the next field. Um, you know, they can sit there from 800 yards away and smoke a deer. Um, and I, you know, I have to be within, you know, probably 60 yards to take a clean shot. So they run That's it nice. right to them here. If yeah. uh, Maine is not nice to poachers. Mm. They'll take your truck, they'll take your gun, they'll take anything you used in the commission, the committing of the crime. Um, in Maine, the Damn. game wardens have more power than the state police. Jeez. Like That's they wild. can, yeah, they can just butt fuck you if you get caught <laughs> doing something bad. So That's phenomenal. That's I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's just so common here. I, I've never heard of anybody getting punished that severely for it. I went to high wow. school with a kid who got in big trouble because he was night hunting and he was like 17 using his dad's truck and they seized the truck and oh, yeah, geez. he was oh, in deep shit. That's a bad day. Yeah. But brutal. all we have here is white tail. I don't hunt cause I feel bad. I'm a softie. <laughs> I don't even like killing mice. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you're fucking cute, man. You ain't hurt nothing. What? <laughs> but, yeah. Right on, man. Well, hey, what else have you been working on, Colton? Um, you, crap, now I can't remember. I'll just let the question stand. What else have you been working on in between deer hunting? So, um, 
obviously a bunch of Christmas orders, um, blasting those out like crazy. And then I've decided to kind of indulge in some fun projects. Uh, you, you guys probably saw them on my Instagram, making some more complex stuff that I enjoy making more. Just the um, dagger. That's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. 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 So the Quillian dagger, the mosaic Quillian dagger. And then there was that other, um, big recurve fighter. And I'm working on a really nice little vest buoy right now. Um, that's going to be crazy. It's mosaic too. So yeah, I don't know. Those take, you know, probably a couple weeks. That dagger probably took a couple weeks and then the other blade took a couple weeks. So it's just fun to work on those things in between just to kind of push myself. Cause my goal for this year was to pick out at least five projects that I'm like extremely uncomfortable on. Cause like the Quillian dagger, the reason I picked that is because, you know, it's the master Smith. It's a lot of people say it's the hardest part of the master Smith test is the dagger. Um, because everything has to be perfectly symmetrical, like perfectly symmetrical. Um, and with, you know, the more angles you add, the more segments you add, the more facets you add, the harder it gets, um, to make everything symmetrical. So I was just trying to make it as complex and difficult as I could. And, you know, with my measurement tools, um, it seemed to, uh, (laughs) seemed to be a pretty good, pretty good outrun uh, outcome. So absolutely, nice. man. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It turned that out thing beautiful. Fucking, oh my God. I saw that and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that thing was amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I love doing stuff like that. Um, the other one, the, uh, called it Morgash, the, uh, other big fighter that sold surprisingly fast. I was actually planning that, um, to go to blade show, uh, Atlanta next year. Um, and submit it to like best fighter, best uh, new maker, stuff like that. But I guess I'm just going to have to take the dagger um, there. I've never, obviously I've never had a table at blade. Um, so this will be interesting, I guess. I'm not really sure. I, I have a good amount of knives. I have a couple shows lined up before there. So, um, and they're selling pretty quickly for Christmas and all that stuff. So hopefully I have stock left. If not, oh well, I'll make some more, but I'm like debating on whether I should just take a stacked lineup of super complex stuff or, you know, some basic stuff, some medium grade stuff, and then a couple of high end things. Cause I really want to like stand out, I guess. And I've never had a table there. So I don't know, I guess what I should really do. I think your work stands out. I would put you on par skill level wise with like cast knives or really? like the artificery, like the shit you do is fucking unbelievable, dude. It is good. Thank you. Well, that means a lot. <laughs> no, dude, it does. You're you're impressive, man. And you're young and it's fucking it, I I see like my I have kids in high school. So I see a lot of this younger generation and it scares the shit out of me and then I meet younger guys <laughs> like you and I'm like, "Okay, we're we'll be all right. We'll be all right." <laughs> well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. How old are you while we're asking we're talking about that? Uh 22. Damn. <laughs> 22. Oh, fuck, I'm so old. how old were you when you um when you won Forge and Fire? Because I remember you were the youngest at the time to win it, weren't you? Yeah, so I still am the youngest. I mean, I, I you can't really get younger because they contacted me when I was 17 and they're like, When's your birthday? And I was like, uh February 16th. <laughs> and so I signed the contract on February 16th and I got cast that day. So um and we set it up that day. So I went and filmed immediately pretty much. So, uh, that was when I was 18, barely. And then the second time was when I was, um, 19, uh, 2021. So, damn, that was a good time. Yeah. I remember, I remember that. Um, so I, I mean, was it's been a long time when you were born. 
Holy fuck. I was 16 when you were born. (laughs) Wow. Damn, dude. I'm fucking old. So I remember that 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 episode because I watched it probably close to when it came out. So this was years and years. I mean, a while ago. Uh, and I have a horrible memory, but I remember that episode um, because the whole lineup was younger guys. And I was shocked because, you know, I mean, I didn't know who you were before that episode because I, I don't think I, I probably wasn't even a knife maker at that point. Um, but the second I was one? just, no, I think it was, was it, was it, the, was it the second one where it was all young guys or was it, it the was, first one? This, so the first one was three young guys and one old guy. And then the second one was the young guns. So three younger dudes who have won. It was the three youngest or the four youngest champions of the show, essentially. Okay. I think it, I think it still was because which one was the, the final was the crossbow. The first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the one that I was thinking of then. And I remember just being like, these guys are all younger than me. And their work is, I mean, I was just so shocked because it wasn't just you. I mean, you were, you had some serious competition. Like the other guys were really amazing makers. Um, I honestly, I can't remember their names and I apologize. Um, if anyone out there is listening and either, either them or somebody who knows them. Um, but I mean, they're all very incredible Smiths and it was such a cool thing to see, you know, cause I mean, you, you expect, you know, knife makers, you expect them to be a little older, you know, guys who started making right. uh, knives in their garage out of saw blades in the eighties, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and so it was kind of inspiring, you know, as, as you know, a younger maker, I guess you could, I'm not younger anymore now. Damn it. Um, anyways, but at the time, you know, it, it was like, dang, like these young guys are phenomenal. They had like this, this amazingly clean work. Um, do you still keep in contact with any of those guys that you met on Forge and fire and know those guys um, at all? So, <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, well, let me think there was the first time there was Craig was the older guy and he, I follow, we follow each other on Instagram, uh, you know, like each other's posts and whatnot. Um, there was Bryce. Yeah. Bryce was the younger guy with like the buzz cut and then the, other one, I think his name was Garrett or he's an amazing knife maker. Now he makes insane chef knives, like uh cutlery, like Japanese cutlery. Um, ah, I wish I could remember his, his Instagram. Um, oh man. If I remember, I'll let you know, I'll give him a shout out. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I do kind of loosely keep in contact with those guys, but, uh, the second episode, um, where it was Cade, Deke, and Kevin, um, <laughs> Kev Berg, uh, you guys know Kevin, um, uh, Kevin Burgess. So he, uh, he was on my second episode and I actually met him while I was filming my first episode. Uh, so we were both filming our episodes at the same time and we were both, you know, over in, uh, Stanford and, uh, he was just hanging out, uh, you know, off, offset and whatnot. And then, um, we became friends there and we were in contact there. And then, uh, when they called us back for the second episode, um, I was like, Kevin, are you, are you in this? And he's like, are you in this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we were both in the second episode. We saw each other on set. We're like, no way, no freaking way. We met each other in the first, we both won our episode when we were both filming at the same time. Then we went back and competed against each other in the second episode. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was awesome though. But the other guys, um, two of them are journeyman Smiths were journeyman Smiths at the time of the second episode. Um, Deke and, Cade 
Uh, so yeah, those guys are phenomenal makers. That's super cool. Yeah. Kevin's an awesome guy. Um, when I, th- I think you went on Forge side chat, like a while ago, like maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And you were talking a little bit about your time on the show and we've, we've had some, we've had some judges on here and, and we've talked to other people who've been on the show and you had mentioned a little bit of the theatricality that they try and add to it. And if I remember correctly, it was during one of the times you were on during the final, you were done in like two days or something like that. And then they still made you like stand out in front of your shop and be like, Oh yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. Like, yeah. going to be tough. Yeah. So that was actually <laughs> both times. Um, so the first time I finished the crossbow on the morning of the third day, um, they give us, you know, four days, the first day, the first day is five hours and the last three days are 10 hours. Um, and so I finished in the morning of the third day and then, uh, I was totally done. So I made this, Oh my God. The hardest part about that was making a freaking shipping crate for it. It looked like a child coffin. It was for a crossbow. <laughs> It was, it was like made of two by fours and plywood. And it was this massive, just monstrosity. Um, that took me like three hours to make. But, uh, after that I went golfing. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, and they left, they just straight up left. Um, but they did make me film, um, some stuff saying, talking about how, I don't know if I'm going to get done, but the second episode, the, the young guns one, that's when they really played it up because, um, one of the, the film, crew uh, the producers um actually was timing it obviously and um i got done in 21 hours flat with the german longsword uh in the finale and they give you 35 hours and so uh they came back for the fourth day and they're like can you change your clothes so it looks like it's another day and i'm like yeah sure and so <laughs> and so i was standing out in front of the in front of the barn I was like, oh, you know, it's the fourth day. I don't know if I'm going to get this done, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they just want to add tension and build up a lot of that. And there was a lot of that in the episode itself, like the preliminary rounds. Um, I remember the first time I was on, it was just like, you know, we had a bar, a big piece of W1, and we had to forge it into a blade for the forging round for the first round. And I finished in like an hour and 15, hour and change. And I just kind of put it on my anvil because I, I, you know, I forged it, I heat treated, I ground it, I finished ground it. It was really nice. I had a distal taper and I put it on the anvil and Will Willis yells across the forge. He's like, you're not done. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that's not your best knife you've ever made. So you're not done. And I'm like, it's never going to. OK, whatever. So <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> walked around and like kind of pretended like I was sharpening it for the cameras. I'm not sharpening it yet, but. You know, just that stuff. Um, but that happens to a lot of guys on that show. So, yeah, it's totally straight up, but they do add a lot of theatricality to it. Yeah, so we, we've heard that they're very strict about, like, the whole, like, no phones policy. Like, you have to, because they're, you know, there's whatever, they're certified as a, you know, a game show. So there has to be, like, certain right. rules and regulations. And so as far as, like, you know, there's no, like, cheating or anything like that. Like, nobody has, like, an advantage, but but they definitely do seem to play it up a little bit to add some theatricality to try and keep people entertained. And I'm not overly right. surprised to hear that. It makes yeah. sense, but it's, it doesn't make it any less corny. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, I mean, I don't think even 
Because, like, my first thought was, like, and also, we filmed a whole scene with the extra time we had for the first episode. We filmed an entire scene of me, like, Elmer Fudd tiptoeing around in the forest with the crossbow saying, like, I'm hunting wabbits and, like, shooting into the distance. It was so funny. And it didn't make it in the episode. And it makes me very sad. Oh, no. (laughs) But, uh... that's, yeah. that's that's maddening because I mean you know when we had Dave Baker on he's talking about you know how many hours of footage get you know whittled down to you know the fifty minute episode or whatever it is yeah and it's like somebody's got to have this footage somewhere and they need to just like make a compilation of like you know shit that didn't make the cut but is still pretty <laughs> awesome and so we yeah. just need to like like that could be like a whole YouTube channel I'm sure there's you know like all different kinds of people that would have to be paid off and everything to like be right. able to make that happen all sorts of red tape but uh that would be phenomenal I would love I yeah. would love to see you tramping through the woods with a crossbow hunting wabbits yeah. <laughs> that was so good um but yeah, the, it was so awful for the second one though because it was like 110 plus degrees, and that was before I had my new my new shop air conditioning and everything. And you know, I'm forging this 59 inch long sword from Damascus, and it's 110 degrees outside. Inside of the shop, it was like 140, and I was just like nonstop forging this thing, and it was like heavy, and I'm like sweating, and I had to wear a mask while I did it. Oh like one god, of those that's right, cloth, yeah, like yeah. So I was, I felt oh. so, the entire process, the entire build, I had to wear a mask. Um, and I was claustrophobia. Like, oh my gosh, I felt like I was going to suffocate and die. It was horrible. <laughs> what did they make you wear a mask? Rona? Yeah. Yeah. For the, of the cameraman? Yeah. For the, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Fat kid at Kmart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise God, baby. <laughs> All right. You guys want to play a little bit of fake news? Yeah, Absolutely. you want to do, uh, we'll do Maritime Knife Supply, then I'll roll right into the stinger for fake news. Let's do it. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. Before I roll into fake news, uh, I needed to read this out on the show. So, New England School of Metalworks scholarships are open until December 1st. Maritime Knife Supply, ABS intro to bladesmithing scholarship open to ages six to 32 week class. So if anybody's going to be up in new England, hit up the new England school of metalwork. If you want to sign up for Lawrence's sponsored class. Very cool. Right on, man. And fake news. It's time for some fake news. Police warn that flushing drugs could create hyper-aggressive meth alligators. Police say man with no hands and no legs is armed and on the run. A man admitted to the hospital with 25 plastic toy horses inserted in his rectum. Doctors have described his condition as stable. That's right, guys. It's time to play. <laughs> time to play fake news. I have three news stories in front of me. Two of them, unfortunately for you and the future of humanity, are entirely trill. Treat true. I can't speak today. This is awful. What is in Anyways, that glass, Noah? Uh, it's it's got some whiskey in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and admit that on air. Why not? 
Uh, all right. So two real stories, one fake one. You guys know the game. Colton, Ryan, all you lovely people at home, you get to guess along and find out. We begin. Florida man tried to rob a bank after paying $500 to a wizard to make him invisible. Next up, Disney wait times so long that visitors can't control their bowels. Multiple reports of people pooping directly in ride lines. I believe it. (laughs) And lastly, Antarctica scientist stabbed colleague who, quote, kept telling him the endings of the books he was reading. Hmm. I'm going to say three stories. You go first. I think the last one. You think the last, the last one? one's fake? Why do you say well, that? I don't know. Like Antarctica <laughs> stabbing somebody over a book it just seems a little, little out there. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, you got to think if, the- if 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 you're if you're a, if you're a scientist in Antarctica and you're cooped up because let's face it, you're not doing a whole lot of exploring. There's probably a limited amount of time you're cooped up. All you can do is read books. And if you got one dude there, like I go hunting for like a week with a buddy of mine and I love the man. I'm ready to stab him just because I mean, you know, <laughs> no, 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 no reason required. Um, so anyways, that's, that's my only thought of it. You read the first one again. Uh, I'll just read them all again. Florida man tried to rob a bank after paying $500 to a wizard to, quote, make him invisible. And uh, the Disney wait times are so long that visitors can't control their bowels. Multiple reports of people pooping directly in the lines for the rides. And then lastly, the Antarctica scientist stabbed his colleague who, quote, kept telling him the endings of the books he was reading. See, are these people who are pooping in line children? Like babies, because that I would get that. But like adults, if it's adults, then I say the second one's fake. Uh, it was, it was all different kinds of people. I'll just say that. All right, I'm changing my answer officially to the second one. Okay, so you're going with the uh, pooping in line at Disney one then, Ryan? What you got? Um, I was leaning on that one, but. I rode the Superman at Six Flags one time, and the wait was like five hours. And if I had to poop in the beginning of it, I might not have made it all the way to the ride. Mm. So, and I saw a video scrolling through reels of somebody spraying a whole crowd from a roller coaster. Like it went around around a turn. It was one of them hanging ones. And (laughs) yeah, they just uh, sprayed the crowd. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to know that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> uh, I could see the Antarctica one happening. I could see them all happening. I'm going to go with the first one, though. You're going to go with the first one. The... Somebody sent it to me too, so I feel like it's unfair of me. Mm. So I'm going to go with the first one because okay. that's the one they. That's the one they sent me. So. All right, gentlemen, you ready? Mm-hmm. We have a very odd thing. Ryan is correct. Wow. Wow. Yes, the Florida man uh, trying to rob a bank after paying $500 to a wizard to make him invisible didn't actually happen. And I, it took me a while because it's such a widely reported story to find out that it was entirely fake. But it's actually a version of a fake story that came from another country. 
And even that one was fake. So this was even more fake. So anyways, uh, Reese McVicker from Ugly Duck Knives sent that one in. Thank you very much, sir, for putting a palatable one in the bucket. Uh, the Disney wait times came from Minuteman Forge. And then uh, I just happened to see the Antarctica one. Um, but yeah, uh, the amount of people shitting in line is disturbing. We're not talking gonna... about like a couple people. We're talking, this is actually like a, an epidemic. There was a story where like one of the people like talks to like one of the workers because people have to come out and like clean up this human feces, like as part of their day job. I mean, they're working at Disney, man. Yeah, sure. It's the happiest place on earth, but they're making minimum wage. You know, they are. And they're having to come out and like pick up people's like poops off the sidewalk. God help them. <laughs> Sounds awful. Fuck that job. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably you... quit. Do you I think mean, there's like a algorithm for like the poopier the line is, the more cookie smell they pump into the air? Because <laughs> they do do that. Oh, they that's pump right. Like, yeah, they they pump like food smells out at people. Yeah. Why does this place yeah, smell like I, cookies? I really want a cookie now. Look at this forty dollar cookie over here. Yeah. <sighs> and then a couple hours later, it's a uh, it's another cookie just laying out on the ground. <laughs> Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. Uh, I also have some uh, some this or that questions, Colton, if you're interested in, in playing a little game of this or that. Sure. OK, uh, Ryan, I don't think we need a stinger for this one. I think uh, I think we can just go right into it. These are designed to be fast paced binary choices. If you want, you can just mess with me and just completely say that you don't like either one and come up with something different. Uh, this is usually what happens. So I'm used to it. So uh, k- Katana or Viking sword? Viking sword. Dagger or machete? Dagger. Deadlifts or squats? Squats. Protein shake or a whole chicken? For a, a whole chicken. Post- <laughs> Feathers and all, dude. <laughs> uh, if you had a workout partner and you had two choices, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which would you pick? Oh man, I have to go Arnold. I feel like Dwayne would just be super obnoxious. <laughs> He'd be like, "It's about drive," and I'd be like, "Stop! <laughs> Stay hungry, Devon. <laughs> Look at my tribal tattoos. <laughs> uh, uh, hand forged or machine forged? Machine forged, meaning like a press. I'm thinking like it probably is referring to like drop forged, that sort of thing. Like, mm. oh, hand forged. 100%. Okay. Uh, traditional or modern blade designs? And in this, I'm thinking like, because there's lots of like modern twists, like the modern buoy versus the classic buoy. Right. So, not I mean, necessarily it, modern designs, but modern yeah. versions. It depends. I mean, if you're talking about swords, I think traditional, but. I'm not a huge fan of like the original buoy design at all. Like those ones kind of look clunky. So I'd say modern for knives, traditional for swords. That's a good answer. I like it. Uh, Hammer curls or hammer strikes? Hammer curls. Would you rather forge a sword using only oversized novelty pencils as hammers? Or would you rather battle a hundred miniature armed knights armed with toothpick sized swords? (laughs) that's ridiculous can you read that one again (laughs) would you rather forge a sword using only 
oversized novelty pencils as hammers or battle a hundred miniature knights armed with toothpick sized swords. Oh, mini knights. I would just like get a can of bear spray. <laughs> just end them all. <laughs> that was such a great mental image. Uh, would you rather forge a sword with forge a sword with spaghetti noodles or lift weights made of marshmallows for a year? Uh, like SpongeBob. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think that'd be possible to forge a sword from spaghetti noodles. So Sp- SpongeBob, marshmallow. Right. Yeah. I don't know. There's that guy that like fixes tables with ramen and super glue. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen that guy. <laughs> Dude, that actually somebody needs to make a, a spaghetti hammer. It'd be like an epoxy, like a like a dead blow hammer. You could even like just like like a roll of spaghetti and just like stabilize it with resin. <laughs> somebody tag me in the credit when they when they make that. Okay. <laughs> um would you rather have a sword that can talk but complains constantly or dumbbells that only get heavier the more you lift? Dumbbells. Hundred percent. That's that's I know. Sorry. That's just kind of a stupid one. Like, why would you? That's money in the bank. Absolutely. And you don't have me? to buy more dumbbells. <laughs> you just have one set and you're done. Uh, I don't like that one. Uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> this is this is the cream of the crop right here. Would you rather have an anvil that makes moaning noises every time you strike it? Or would you rather forge or rather have a forge that whispers encouraging words as you work? oh shit um what encouraging words like are they are they i think probably the anvil just for novelty (laughs) it would just be funny as fuck (laughs) i just uh you're forging a knife (sighs) (laughs) i think i'd just use the press at that point for the whole thing (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be fun for like the first 10 minutes and then then you wouldn't be able to get any work done. Um, would you rather train with a dumbbell sized sword or forge a blade using dumbbells? I've actually seen a, there's some dude on TikTok who forges stuff. He just hits steel with a like an iron dumbbell and he like, yeah. you know, you can do stuff with it. So I'd say probably that. Okay. Um, would you rather wear a suit of armor to the gym or forge in nothing but a loincloth? In the summer, I pretty much already do that. So, uh, I'd say probably armor to the gym. Okay. (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine the looks you would get. (laughs) Um, uh, protein smoothie with hot sauce or hot sauce with protein powder. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that like the same thing? (laughs) <laughs> no no because if you, you got a protein smoothie and you just add hot sauce to it or you have hot sauce with like protein powder like the protein powder is like the only like the the or sorry the hot sauce is like the only liquid that you oh, can consume God. protein powder with i think i'd probably just die if i drank that so hot sauce smoothie all right and lastly would you rather arm wrestle a bladesmith or have a blade forging competition with another bodybuilder Ah, well. He's pretty I mean, much going to win either one. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, oh, I don't know, I mean, dude. There's, 
there are some guys out there with a massive right arm. Yeah, no, I don't know if you I'm guys one of them. probably probably don't follow arm wrestling. I don't either, but I saw a post about this. So there's like this, uh, you know, Devin Larrett. He's like the world champion arm wrestler many, many times over. Um, and then and then there was this other guy, uh, Dennis Saplinkov or whatever. He's like the Russian arm wrestling champion. He's a massive, total steroided out guy. Um, and like in 2018, he beat Devin. And so they were having the – yesterday they had the world championship arm wrestling tournament. And, he, and Devin uh, destroyed Dennis. It was crazy because neither of them can hold – can straighten their arms because all they do is bicep stuff. So they're sitting there like T-Rexes walking around. Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I follow the whispering arm wrestler. Yeah, guy. Devin. That's Devin. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. He's funny because he gets right in. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, pull me. Yeah, pull it in. Nope, yeah. keep over the table. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Dude, his old lady is an arm wrestler too. It freaks me out after that Larry the Cable Guy video where he snaps that kid's arm in half. Have you Larry seen that? Wheels. Yeah. No, yeah. Larry the Cable Guy, the comedian. Larry the Cable Guy. He arm wrestled. Wheels did that recently too. Oh, really? Larry the Cable yeah. Guy, the comedian. You can find it on YouTube. He uh, arm wrestled a fan in like a coffee shop and fucking broke the the bone Jesus. under your bicep. You just see his arm. Go, oh, yeah. No, that's just terrifying at that point. Because once you get strong enough, there's so much pressure going where it was never meant to go, like mm-hmm. to the side of your arm. <laughs> that's scary. I've never really been good at arm wrestling. There is some technique in it. It's not oh, all yeah. strength. Yeah. But. Anyways. Interesting. I just can't get over the moaning anvil. I got to say, like, that really stuck out in my head. <laughs> I guess there's a new podcast out there in the podcast world. Oh, I heard about that. You, you want to give those guys it. a shout out? Sure. The work for it, Europe. So, you know, first that's, episode's um, out. Go give it a listen. I haven't. Oh, I didn't know it was out yet. Um, so yeah. anyway, that's. Um, DIY oh Europe and some Thank other you. guy. The only Brits I know about is the Hustle and Grind Europe, um, also known as Fire and Steel. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one I was on, I think. Fire and Steel with Honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, then I misspoke. My bad. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> you know what no i'm not sorry this isn't the first time that i've misspoke on this show you guys are used to it by now i don't care like it's, i i say wrong things all the time yep i listened Ryan, to um, some of that first episode but i was driving and i got to my destination so i didn't end up finishing it but they're on the right path they'll do they'll right. do all right i'll have to give it a listen um, do we want to hear from our abrasive sponsor real quick, man, while we're uh, sure done with our last segment? Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Thanks Luke. Luke. Yep, and I really appreciate you guys all going to check out Phoenix. They have all the abrasives you need. Um, the VSM 
Red Ferraris are the ones that we use for our 36s most of the time. Um, I have been trying out the blue flexible ceramics that they have there, and I have really been enjoying those. Don't ask me what I use them for because I can't remember right now, but I remember that the last time I needed a flexible ceramic, it was perfect, and I had them in the 120, and uh, they worked really well. So go check those guys out. I have a little bit of a dilemma, and I would like to get your guys' opinion on it. And I'm sure I'm going to get DMs with other people's opinion on it. But anyways, I wanted to just go ahead and talk about this on the show since it, it literally just happened while I was getting ready for the show. So back when I was doing uh, the maker's markets over the summer, I was put in contact with a local business who runs uh, a fruit stand. And it's it's not like a fruit stand. It's like a bougie fruit stand. Uh, you guys know, I don't know if they have like those in Nebraska or Maine. Um where it's like, it's on the side of the road, it's a permanent building, and they have like a big storefront, they sell like lots of like, local farm products, and like all different kinds of stuff, you know, like natural honeys, and like that sort of thing, you know, kind of like a little gift shop there as well. Anyways, she wanted to kind of support the community by supporting the, the makers market that we were doing, and maybe carrying some products from some of the makers. So she reached out to me and I dropped by and I dropped off a knife to see if she could sell it for me and you know, no money exchange, just here, you see if you can sell this knife, uh, gave her my phone number and you know, everyone in town knows where I live. Um, so months go by and they're a seasonal operation. They closed down after October and I hadn't heard from her. So I don't know if this knife sold or she's just like sitting there on the shelf and nobody ever like touched it or what. So I sent her an email. Um, cause that's how we had contacted before. And I was like, Hey, just wondering if I need to come pick this knife up, if it's sold, you know, whatever happened. Today, I look and got an email back from her that apparently the knife was stolen at their last live. They do like live events there. You know, they'll do like live music and, and have a big event. And I don't know when that event was, but it was sometime in October. And if you look at the calendar, it is uh, November 12th, 14th, if you guys are listening to this when it comes out on Tuesday. And she has my phone number. She never contacted me. She never emailed me to let it know, let me know it was stolen or anything. But she goes, you know, it was stolen. I'm so sorry. I couldn't believe it happened. You know, I'll cut you a check for the value of the knife. I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, cause half of me wants to be like, no, you don't have to cut me a check. You know, it wasn't, you know, it's, it's not your fault really that it was stolen, but but I don't know that, you know, was, was, was it just like left out with like, you know, no one like even paying attention, you know, was this like a live event where people were like everywhere, like maybe not even where they should be like that sort of thing. Like I don't have any idea what happened other than, you know, this short email that I got. And I'm also really like, I don't know. It just up till this point, anyone who, who has had one of my knives looked at my work, said, Hey, you know, I love, I love what you do and I'm willing to pay, you know, instead of buying a $20 knife at Walmart, I'm willing to pay a lot more to have something cool handcrafted. And now there's some douchebag out there that has one of my knives that probably doesn't even know what carbon steel is. Doesn't know that how many hours I put into this thing has no real appreciation for it. And is just a douchebag who steals things. And I don't feel good about it. You should John wick them. I considered that. I honestly did. <laughs> so uh, I think yeah, that it, sucks. I think honestly, so you gave the knife to them, 
And if they were going to treat it like a obviously high value piece of inventory, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine they would, they would, uh, you know, if they were being responsible, just leave it out where some pedestrian could get access to it. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think you should take the check, honestly, because they had your property that you gave to them, your, you know, your asset and they lost it. However, that may, might've happened. Um, somebody took it and that's on them. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, in my opinion, I think you should just like, be like, okay, take the check, be like, all right. Cause I mean, they're, if they're willing to take responsibility for losing it and they're outright saying, Hey, I'll give you a check. Then obviously they probably acknowledge that, um, it's at some level their fault. Yeah. I would say offering to pay you for it is an admission of guilt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is their responsibility. They are a business. It's not like you, like you have a, they're your buddy, right. you know? Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and you got to get paid, bro. What? It's not your fault. They were fucking dumb with it. Yeah. You break yeah. it, you buy it. Yeah. And, you know, and if it was, you know, if it was a situation where it was, you know, it happened at my stand, you know, and I walked away or something like that, you know, leaving my stuff on the table, you know, that would be one thing. I just chalk it up to a loss. But I guess you're right. In this case, you know, I I did leave it there with the intention. Hey, these guys are going to take care of it and, you know, trusted them to do that. And they weren't able to. However, that happened. I don't know. To put it in perspective of like my work at my day job. So like if like somebody leaves a mower and then they come back for it two years later and we scrapped it, we owe them a fucking mower, you know? And yeah. like we, we have to like call them and be like, Hey, do you want us to get rid of this? Blah, 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 blah. So, That's a good you know, point. I, I think mean, it's odd that they did not reach out to you when it was stolen. Right. Yeah. That's weird. That's I mean, that plus them being right out saying, Hey, we'll give you a check is probably them admitting that they were irresponsible or saying, Oh crap. He finally noticed. So we'll just give him whatever. Um, I mean, if I, I do wholesale with a few stores, I've never had anything like that happen. But like, if I were to find, find out that a knife or several of my knives were stolen from their store and they just didn't tell me for months. Um, I mean, first of all, I would, take all my knives from them and never sell from them, sell with them again. Um, but also I would be like, okay, that's not quite criminal, but it's like very borderline, you know, it, on a larger scale that would be considered criminal. Uh, it'd be, it would be theft, theft by omission essentially is what that would be. Yeah. So, I would be skeptical of anybody running a bougie fruit stand. Yeah. That's a red flag. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not uncommon around here. Um, you know, we're we're on a highway that is a tourist highway. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lake Chelan is just north of me. It's a hot spot for all the rich people on the coast or people who think they're rich over on the coast City to come folk. over. And exactly, and then they spend. Yeah. You know, everyone from Bellevue comes over or Seattle, and they spend the weekend in Chelan because it doesn't rain, unlike it what it does over there. You know. 10 months out of the year. And so there's a lot of traffic that's like touristy traffic along that highway. And so that's where they, where they get their business. Yeah. So. See here, it's all like a uh, beat up fucking pickup truck parked in a turnoff with a, a handwritten sign that says fiddlehead spelt wrong. 
<laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, or yeah. like, there's a guy down the road for me that sells fresh jars of like all natural, like fucking straight from the bee's ass honey. Nice. And uh, that's the good stuff when it's still got yeah, a little I mean, bit we, of wax in it. We so, have yeah. all that down in, in, in Wenatchee. I mean, there's a, the corn stand there with corn spelled with a K. Um, you know, that, 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 that happens around here too. So I don't know. I, it, it pisses me off though, because like, I kind of had like a weird feeling about it at first. Like when I was, cause I didn't know this lady, you know, she was referred to me by somebody that I trust. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I just feel weird leaving one of my knives here. And, but I just kind of felt like, I don't know. At least it, it was you know, only one. Exactly. And, it, and, you know, realistically it's, it's not like. It's a mono steel hunter with a G10 handle, you know. So it's like, it's not the end of the world, you know. Like she if it was something threw that threw it away because it was a hunting knife. And she's like, "I'm doing the animals a favor." No, no, no. I live on I live on the the hunting side of the state. Okay. If it, if it was over on the coast, maybe, but not not around here. But <laughs> I would take the I would do a Colton said take the check, never deal with them again, and just be like. No more bougie fruit stands, I guess. Honestly, like the more I try and like reach out to like other people and stuff, it's just like I I just want to like I want to make my stuff. I don't want to I don't even know if I want to do markets ever again. I don't even know if I would want to do like a table at someplace like Blade. I would just if people buy my knives off my website. Great. If not, screw it. I'm just going to stick to myself, man. I'm tired of dealing with this stuff. Yeah, I I agree with that 100 percent. That's why I haven't done many Blade shows. It's just like a hassle. Because a lot of the people I was talking to at Blade didn't even pay for their table or their flight, you know. Um, they couldn't even pay for it with what they sold. A lot of them weren't selling really anything. So the reason I want to go next year is just because, you know, exposure and then entering a Blade or two into some categories. I mean, I've only been to Blade this one year. And one thing I did notice is if you're there to sell knives, it's probably not the best place to do it. Because everybody there's like, but if you're there to sell handle material right, or supplies, you're <laughs> probably doing pretty fucking good. I say that, but Micah did really well at his table. So, I mean, uh, I'm I, probably wrong on that, but. Well, and I talked to a few other people that had tables that had made some really great sales as well. So, I mean, there was, there was a few people there that did really well this year, but uh, then you talk to other people and it's like, yeah, it's a lot of knife makers running around. <laughs> not, not a lot of customers. Yeah. So. I'll be wearing a smaller backpack next year. I assaulted several people with my backpack. <laughs> you go to fucking turn around and it, there's 20,000 people in one room. So, yeah, but I, I still hear the uh, the clicking of the Bally bros in my sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who do we see the other day? Uh, Timber Tiger was flipping one on one of his reels and I almost messaged him and was like, we going to see you in the belly crowds, but he didn't go to blade. So he doesn't know what I'm talking about, but all the stinky, stinky teenagers in the corner. Fucking yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the lime green under armor hoodies on. <laughs> Sketchers. Uh, it's exactly how my steps uh. dressed is. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and he wanted one. I bought him a training one when I was there, but maybe I'll make one someday. I don't know. I've been, uh, well, I've been like, uh, I got to switch gears on like my routine and things in my life. I've been dealing with fucking the goot for like two weeks now. Worst flare I've ever had. And uh, it, it puts like 
what I prioritize into perspective and my health is not fucking one of them and it's a problem. So I'm, so it's time to change that. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm going to do a little reset in the shop this winter. So I'm toning down. I'm not going to take custom orders over the winter. If the restaurant puts in an order, they'll get priority just like normal. Um, but I'm going to make whatever I want to make when I have time to make it, but I'm building my grinding room. I'm organizing all that shit. Weight bench next to it. And yeah, and make my health more of a priority. I mean, I work seven days a week. I don't take a day off. So it's like, and I, you know, I don't eat good. But time, time to eat more whole whole foods. Like yeah. uh, Colton was talking about before we started. Yeah. Cut out but, some of the processed stuff, man. Learn yeah. how to chew. That's that's the tough part for me when I started eating more whole foods was just like how tired my jaw was from like chewing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh that's gosh, it's crazy dude. because like uh the um the pronounced jaw thing that was like, you know, traditionally a male trait um has like gone away so much cuz nobody's eating, you know, meat like steak and like hard you know whole foods they don't have to chew up their foods you know you can drink it or mush it around in your mouth like a chicken nugget you know so that's it, that's definitely a big thing like like usually if i'm on like prep for a show or something i'm eating a lot less i'm eating softer meats like tilapia and fish and uh chicken and stuff which is not really hard to chew up but then when i go back to like a regular maintenance or a bulking diet i'm eating a ton of steak like Last night I had a 20 ounce steak with three potatoes and uh, my jaw was just like sore after it because it was a big <laughs> tough sirloin, you know? And so, yeah, <laughs> definitely a jaw workout. My health and diet's like one little part of it. You know, like uh, we all get stuck in routines. <clears throat> and so, and then in order to get out of that, you have to recognize where your deficits are and like be willing to fucking change. And a lot of my deficits are like things like documentation of what I'm doing. I don't, I probably post 10% of the knives I make. Yeah. You know, I and mean, it, it, I, I'm sort of the same. I only post the stuff that I want people to order that I like making, you know, I don't post or stuff that's for sale, obviously, but a lot of the orders that I get are just basic hunting knives or basic, you know, utility, everyday carry stuff. I don't really enjoy making those a ton. I don't want custom orders for those. Cause I have to charge more if it's custom order versus if it's a stock buy. And so people get like, Oh, why are you charging me $50 extra? I'm like, it's custom order, just more hassle for me. So yeah, I have to charge more, but yeah, I only, I, I, I want to get to the point where I can like only sell, like I kind of enjoy doing stock knives. Cause you know, you make a batch of six knives um, and you know, you make a, you know, three grand in a couple days or whatever. Um, it's like 500 bucks a piece, but I like making big, cool stuff and kind of like testing my skills and growing and stuff. But I feel like I'm not going to be able to do that if all the orders I'm getting are just mono steel or basic Damascus, you know? Right. At that point, it's almost more beneficial to just go the full production route. Right. Instead, you know, instead of hand making it legit yeah. by hand or hiring a minion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting wow. you say that, Colton, because uh, Jordan was saying kind of a similar thing when we were talking to him about not posting stuff that he doesn't want to get custom orders for. And it's, you know, it's true. Like the more you post about something, the more you're going to get interest in that and the more you're going to get orders for that. But I've actually come up to that for the first time. I just finished a knife and I don't think I'm going to post it. 
it looks fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But I, the last thing I want is for somebody to order an ABL chef knife with uh, da, 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 uh, canvas micarta handles. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do that again. So yeah. I don't think I'm gonna get a knife, though, man. I like that knife. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I hated every bit of it. So I don't. Uh, I, I just. I don't think I'm gonna poke knives. it. <laughs> well, see, I love making chef knives. Like I, that's one thing that I, I absolutely love. I like doing culinary knives, and I want to get even better at it. Um, but I want to make Damascus integral chef knives. I don't want to make full tang AEBL with with canvas micarta handles canvas micarta can go you know like i've mm, i i hate it so uh i spent like three days like tweaking this handle trying to make sure that i was happy with like every facet and then like as soon as i get it back up to like 800 then all of a sudden i would realize that one facet was off and then i had to like tweak it again and, and then you burn it little, you, you have to sand out the burn you're like fuck <laughs> i literally I literally took files to this handle because it wasn't even in like a certain spot. So I, I just, rather than taking it back to the grinder and risk screwing it up again, I just took files, you know, the, actually what was really funny. So m the majority of my handles have like uh, a two inch hollow where your where your thumbs rest or where your opposite fingers, where they wrap around the blade, they rest into this hollow. Right. Really easy for me to put in a two inch hollow on the grinder but it curves as it goes down into like another facet. Anyways, long story short, um, hardness files work really well carving micarta because they're, you know, like the hardness files you get, they're in like, you know, 45, 50, 55 HRC all the way up, but they have a curve to the end of them. And man, they worked really well for, uh, for digging out micarta and then obviously having to hand sand it all the way back up through the grits after you're done, because it just leaves all those little, all the little ragged, uh, pieces of fiber from the, from the canvas in there that you have to sand off, which sucked. But, you know, I, I start, anyways. what do you, uh, what do you grind your handles up to before you hand sand them? 220 usually. See, I've been. I've found a, a method that I really like. I don't hand sand. I don't start hand sanding handles at less than 800 ever. Like literally ever. I really? just go 800,000 done. Um, and it's just like so much easier. <laughs> like it's so much easier. And it's just with <clears throat> a solid set of J flex belts and wheels and different tensions on your slack. Um, and if you have, the quality J flex belts, uh, the, I have the blue ones and then there's the yellow ones. Uh, the yellow ones I use for metal and the blue ones I use for wood. Um, but the, the cheaper ones, they dip in in the middle. So it kind of looks like a W cause the edges wrap or bend out like this and then the middle kind of goes like this. So if you were to push it on like, um, where you put your palm and it's, and it curves inwards the Coke bottle, um, you'll get kind of like a steep angle and then it'll shallow out towards the bottom and it won't be an even curve. Um, yeah. but it, the, the higher quality belts with a slightly lower tension, you get that nice, even curve. And so, yeah, you can go, I grind, I start at, um, obviously I knock my corners off. I do, I set my work rest at a certain angle. I do all that. And then I meet it up at the flat with the tang and everything. And then I go to a 220 J flex. And then I just jump to a 600 J flex to clean everything up, sharpen the facets up. And the less hand sanding you do, the sharper your facets are. 
Um, right. Yeah. And so sure. you can get super, like I've had a lot of facets that were too sharp, too crispy. And they were like, you know, they, they wouldn't normally be, be like uncomfortable, but if they're too sharp, they can actually feel like they're going to cut you. Um, especially when you do the ones halfway in the handle that kind of go up and then all the way back down to the butt of the knife. Um, so yeah, I, try that out. I mean, it, it, it helps a ton, especially when you're doing really complex facets, because I mean, no matter how flat your little, uh, sanding stick is and whatever, you can't get it as flat as you can with a flat flatten and, you know, a 400 grit belt or a 600 grit belt or something. So I yeah. found that helps a lot. I actually misspoke. I realized as you were talking, I go up to 400, um, on, on my handles. And I think honestly close to the same on my blades before I go to hand sand, but, uh, Maybe not. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, so I, I, I don't really even keep any belts 600 and above just because I, I just do everything up to a 400 and then call it good. Um, but yeah, I'll have to look into those other belts because I know exactly what you're talking about with the with like the weird funky curves that you get in those J flexes. Yeah. yeah, it happens really fast, too. It's I mean, yep. as soon as you start using them, they start getting some funky curves in them. Yeah, I like the yellow ones. The Kingspore, I think, is the brand. The, yeah, Kingspore. One of the, yeah, those are awesome. Those are super stiff. They're a little bit more rigid, um, but they're they strip metal off. So if you're sculpting something out of metal, um, that's great for that. Um, I do. I I don't know how or why people start hand sanding at like eighty grit or one twenty grit. They stop at the grinder at like one twenty and they just go start hand sanding. I there's so I many. So many people at, do that. I do it at 220. I stop at 220. I do it because I'm my, I guess my control isn't good enough or whatever. I'm doing something where I get facets and I, and I'm chasing facets. I can't get the smooth grind. I have to smooth them out by hand. Um, my, it depends on the material too. If it's like heavy vintage canvas micarta, I'll stop at 36 and I'll fucking just hand sand it the rest of the way. Cause my car burns so bad at higher grits. I'm talking yeah. about mostly, mostly blades. Like, can oh, you imagine blade. hand sanding? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine hand sanding a 63 Rockwell piece of Magna cut or something, or, you know, even ABL from 120 grit? No, you would no. You're, you have zero chance of keeping your plunge line crispy. First of all, that's like the biggest thing in the end product. And also you're going to spend three hours hand sanding that thing. You're going to go through about, you know, 30 bucks of sandpaper, um, hand sanding one knife. So, I mean, just the 400 grit, I don't even use, I, I used to use a lot of Trizac stuff. So I would go to like a 30, um, and then hand sand from there. But when you're doing thinner edges, those produce so much friction that it just overheats the edge like that. Um, so you can't push hard enough to get rid of all the scratches. So you're left with some deeper scratches you have to hand sand so i just get the cheap super cheap aluminum oxide uh 400 grits like use a sharp one just one sharp belt does like three knives probably without doling at all um at a higher rockwell so and then you just go straight to hand sanding and you can start at 600 and it's like a couple passes and all the scratches are gone it's crazy i've been going through my machine finish like steps i go all the way up to 800 on trizac gators and then i hit it on the ultra fine gray scotch bright and then i hand sand and uh, like i did a santuco the other day it took like off the grinder it took probably an hour and a half 
And I go all really? the way back. I go down back down to 320 though when I start over. And it still took that long? You know, I'm fucking slow, man. I'm gimping. Why do you oh, go to 320 okay. if you're at 800 grit? I don't know. I don't really have a re- I don't really have a reason behind it. I'm new to hand sanding. I was very much against it for a long time. Well, if and you're at I- if you're at a true 800, you could technically start at 800 or 600 and be fine. Yeah, but Trizacs also hide a lot. They do. That's what I'm talking about. Like that's why I don't use them for my finish grinds on hand sanded stuff. I use just the cheap flat 400 grit aluminum oxide because they're sharp. They're really, really sharp at first. So they hog off material and you can see if there's any scratches from 220 or 50 or 120 left in there. So yeah, you can also do the, you can also do the Sharpie trick if you really want to make sure before you go to hand sand. Yeah. Or I think that's ferric. I think that's why I started hand sanding because I did that one blade that, that, um, the collab with Noah on that stainless Sammy. And I real I, didn't realize how much those trizacs were hiding. So if you're machine finishing on trizacs, it looks good, but you've got some leftover deep, deep scratches in there that you can't really see because it's blended in. Um, once you start rubbing some grits over it, you're like, holy shit, where the fuck did that come from? Anyways. All right, guys, we're an hour eight, hour nine. I think we should probably head over to an after show. Don't you? Sure. Do we hit all the spots? Do we got we got anybody else we need to shout out? No, nope. we did Maritime Phoenix. Talked about Coy Baker. That's right. Yep. Um, I don't know. Not really worried about Liquid IV. Okay. No. Cool. No, whatever. I'm drinking Liquid IV right now, but yeah, I, I usually am. Go to liquidiv.com. Use code Hustle Ten for twenty percent off. There we go. Colton, thanks very much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. All right. You lucky people who uh, subscribe to our Patreon. We'll uh, see you guys over in the after show. You want to read them out real quick? Sure. What the hell? We read them. Yeah. You know what? Let's do it. I'll speed read them. Uh, Audience. Come on. We love all these guys. We've got Wade Plumlee, Greg Knuckles, Micah Dunn. Survives in every film. Chaz Belongi, Brian House, Just Brad at Brad's Customs, David Burke, Donovan Shelton, CJ Miller, Bob Gore, Reese McVicker, James Buck, Brian House, Matt Baldwin, Brent Dignam, Ameribraid, Travis Haynes, Colin Hayworth, Jeremy Ballaball, Wood by Moeller, Alexander Sloat of Devlin Forge, Brian Hunt at Hidden Rose Forge, Will from Maine, that's spruce.hill.studio. B. Cone, Jared Weaver at Weaver's Custom Metalworks, Master of Metal Manipulation. Maximus Knives, Ira Housework, Timber Tiger Forge, Stormlight Forge, Bremner Built Knives, Sourwood Creations, Jared at Echo Blades, Brian Hinnenkamp, that's Tortuga Blades, Crafty Man Forge, Brian House, Driver Defense Knives. None of those are Brian House, by the way. Uh... <laughs> MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, Zachary Sowell is Pattern Nostri Fabrica, Trox Clayer Custom Cutlery. I still don't understand what Dennis is saying here. EIs ain't a prick. Honor is still a wanker. Uh, Todd Harrington, Bex Armory, 118 Blades, Mark LeBlanc, 
no effort, but still listening to Honor and Toby. That's Brigham Kindell. Aru Blade Works, Amanda Hug and Kiss, and My Cock Small. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, oh. <laughs> Uh, Hustle and Grind Europe is really fucking up the Patreons on our shows. No, I'm just gonna refer to them as that now. Yeah, it works. We doing this? We're supposed to. What's going on with that crossover episode before we close this out? Beats the shit out of me. But I thought about something more important to talk about while you're reading the patrons. Um, Yesterday, you may know was Veterans Day, and. Not being a veteran myself, I usually don't do much for Veterans Day, but I was able to do something really cool. Um, I had a veteran over to my shop who is a, another bladesmith local to me, and he's doing a really cool project. Uh, his name is David Popovich, and uh, he's a Dragon Tail Forge on Instagram. And uh, he has a chunk of an A10 barrel from like the A10 Warthog, you know, the, the brrr. Um, so he had a chunk of this barrel and we cut it in half, flattened it out in the forge, surface ground it, and then forge welded it back together so that you had the rifling of the inside of the barrel on the outside of both sides of this billet. And we stretched that sucker out. Originally we were going to do a core steel of like 80 CRV two or something like that, but he did some testing and he could not get it to stick to this mystery steel. That is this a 10 barrel. Um, he's got information from somebody that's forged it before and he's got a heat treat recipe for it. And so it sounds like he'll be able to create this really cool knife for another veteran. So that's what I did on veterans day. And it was really freaking cool. Uh, to be able to be a part of that. Um, if you guys want to see how that knife is going to turn out, go follow him. Like I said, Dragon Tail Forge on Instagram. Um, I really appreciate it if you guys would go give him a follow because I think that's going to be a really cool project. And uh, yeah, it was great to have him over and it was a lot of fun to forge with somebody else in my shop and I don't get the opportunity to do that very often. So it was a good time. Sweet. And so, yeah. I'll let everybody know what I did on Veterans Day. Noah sure. saw some pictures, but... Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Colton. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah, for having me. Always a good guest. On to the after show.